is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 429, recorded on Tuesday, April the 2nd, 2019. April the 2nd? Yeah, does that mean anything to you? Uh, no, it's just the day after April Fool's Day, which is uh, ironically the uh, uh, the best day of the year for people reading the news and thinking about what they're looking at critically. You know, it's the best day and the worst day of the year all rolled into one for that very reason, because some people just fall for the dumbest April Fool's Day pranks. uh, And the people who perpetrate those pranks, you know, get a great kick out of it. So I can see both sides. Yeah. Like the the prank where you're walking through a doorway and someone punches you in the face, that kind of prank. Uh, That that seems a little bit less like a (laughs) prank and more like just a jerk thing to do, but... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay. I mean, yesterday morning on the radio, they they did a story about someone starting a raccoon meat food truck, raccoon burgers. Oh, yeah. And um uh amazingly enough, I was is in the shower, my wife comes downstairs and comes into the bathroom and goes, "Oh my god, I'm such an idiot." I'm like, "Why this time, honey?" <laughs> And, and she says, because I was just listening to the radio and they were talking about a raccoon food truck and I totally bought it. And I'm right. like, oh, that's unfortunate. There's no reason not to, other than, you know, the idea of it is gross. I mean, eating raccoons? Yeah, that's pretty gross. Oh, well, we eat all kinds of other animals. Why not raccoons? Ah, uh, yeah, I, uh, they're gross. <laughs> they are gross. <laughs> I don't know. So are pigs. Uh, yeah. Good, and they're delicious. Good point. They are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, April Fool's Day. Happy April Fool's Day, everyone. Uh, we're not going to be doing any tomfoolery around here. No. Uh, but that's because we missed it. It was yesterday. So hopefully you didn't fall for any crazy pranks. Uh, I did. Oh, I almost fell for a prank. It was the, uh, the Amazon blimp, uh, where it was like releasing a bunch of drones. And I thought maybe, well, this is. We're all going to die now. And then I thought, oh, it's April Fool's Day. This can't be real. <laughs> We're going to be attacked by Amazon drones? Yeah. Did you see that one where there's like just a, an image of like this big blimp that had a Bombay doors and they opened and a bunch of uh, flying drones came out to deliver packages? I did not see that. And the problem with that is that with everything Amazon does, you can kind of believe that. Well, that's why I believed it for half a second. I'm like, right. oh God, they're testing it. They're testing the technology and this is just a you know, the prelude to we're all going to die, but it completely was fabricated. Okay. I I was fooled for maybe three quarters of a second. I mean, yeah, you were fooled now, but in six months when we hear about the actual Amazon blimp and drone delivery system, eh, that'll be a different story. Yeah. And those friggin' robot dogs, those things are freaky. They are freaky. Yeah. Especially when they're running down the hallway and people kick them. No, you're, you're talking about the Boston Dynamics robot dogs. Yeah. Those yeah. Are those guys. They're pretty creepy. Creepy. Cause you gotta, you gotta test them, right? So you gotta kick them to see if they can stay standing up, but it just, it seems mean, but yet it's a robot and, but then it's, it's a robot and a robot might get mad at that. And if a robot gets mad at that, they'll just make other robots to get back at you and they'll start kicking you. Right. We're all, we're all fucked. Like we're done. If, if one, 20 years, if one robot gets mad, then you just end up with a whole army of mad robots and. Yeah. Cause they're networked. Yeah, of course. Uh, they can open doors and everything, those things now. Yeah. It's 
pretty scary. They can jump up things. They can uh, they can open doors. They can run. I know it's freaky, man. Be careful yeah. with the work. Be careful what you do with robots, people. We're all screwed. All right. Well, uh, we are actually here to talk about season nine, episode sixteen. Yeah, the season sixteen, the season finale of The Walking Dead, Jason. So let's get into that before we get on too many more tangents about sentient robots and stuff like that. Okay. What's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? The storm. The storm. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. The name of this episode. Well, it's just called the storm. Thank you so much to Simon, Gabriella, and Ceres in Bournemouth, UK, Anthony on the internet, Scott in Arkansas, and Mr. Natman on YouTube. Hopefully I got that last name right in the first one. Uh, I apologize if I did not. I forgive you. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. You Uh, know why I whispered during the, uh, the Riders on the Storm music? Why'd you do that? Because if you listen to the actual track by the doors, not only is Jim Morrison singing that Riders on the Storm, but uh, Ray Manzarek, the uh, the guitar player, is whispering in the background the lyrics as Jim Morrison is singing them. So you can hear a whisper, Riders on the Storm. It's really kind of creepy and cool. Like, was that intentional or? or... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, neat. Well, yeah, yeah, go listen. Go listen to the track. It's awesome. Maybe I'll do that later. <laughs> what you need to do is uh, you need to go back and listen to all of the Doors Doors albums uh, with your headphones on because you know that's how you listen to music in the '60s. When you sat down next to your record player, you put the record on and you put your goddamn headphones on and you listen to it and all it's you know analog glory. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, even now, a lot of people listen to music with headphones on, so I yeah. don't see thing. I don't think things have changed that much, really. Yeah, I know my Doors. You do, eh? Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to get educated on the doors, so I'll start listening to them a little bit more. But first, why don't we talk about this episode? Sure. So, Season 9, Episode 16, The Storm. This, of course, follows last week's The Calm Before. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we have an actual storm. And the episode begins with Ezekiel speaking into a radio. And... He's talking about how they kept trying to hold on to the kingdom to make it last, but it has finally all fallen apart. We see the pipes breaking down. You know, we see him and Carol in their room with that uh, cracked wall uh, with the the, the um, saying on it. And he's lying down on the bed. He looks depressed. Uh, they are obviously in some kind of distress. And, uh, you know... Meanwhile, he's he's voiceovering onto this radio. Uh, we see Daryl. He's bringing some food to Lydia, who's sitting out there. Things are all looking kind of bleak. And he mentions that they have to get people to Hilltop. Yeah, eat up. You gotta, we got to take these people to Hilltop. Right. You're going to need some food. I guess she hasn't really been eating that much. She's probably depressed a little bit. Things don't look very good 
at the kingdom right now. No, and, and Ezekiel says fires raged, so like half the town burnt down for some reason. Um, yeah, I mean, later on, or as they're leaving, you do see a wider shot of the episode, and there is uh, a real burnt-out building, if I'm not mistaken, right? There's a lot of them. Like, even in the shot where uh, Daryl's giving Lydia food, in the background, you can see uh, burned-out buildings. The gazebo is, like, falling apart. Like, this place really turned to shit real fast after the fair. I mean, God, God, God damn it, uh, <laughs> that fair was trouble, Well, like you thought. Exactly. It was big trouble. Now, I mean, am I, am I missing something with all the fires? Like, did, did stuff burn down and we see it and I forgot about it or? No, well, if you forgot about it, I forgot about it because I was like, fires raged? What the hell is he talking about? Then I saw later the shot where they were, they were riding out of town. We'll get to that in a second. And everything's all burnt out. But uh, even before that, you can see, you know, signs of burned burned outedness mm-hmm. and it makes me think maybe the whisperers set fires to get everybody to get their prisoners out of town right like distraction distraction fires maybe yeah well yeah i mean there's two reasons to set a fire there's three reasons to set a fire uh insurance fraud uh you know pyromania just because you like to watch shit burn uh-huh and uh three is distraction cause a distraction right okay yeah. carol did that very same thing with the uh, the terminus people she uh, she shot that propane tank started the fire that was just a distraction yeah she sure did she blew that thing up okay well yeah i mean i didn't really think about it too hard but you're right i mean he mentions the fires then we see all that burnt out stuff uh something must have happened but we don't really get any of that we sort of see the aftermath of it uh we do see the pipes exploding so you know the whole piping system underneath kingdom has broken down and they just can no longer fix them and the whole yeah. place is just crumbled crumbled into bits and they have to yeah, abandon that it. happened fast i mean they were they were worried about things before at the beginning of the season but uh but damn i mean the the kingdom ends in fire and water and snow yeah pretty much well i we'll get to it in a little bit we'll talk about the timeline of things here a bit because there's some hints about it later on um but we'll get to that in a second uh for now though we we get some scenes of carol looking through some of henry's things like drawings he's made as a kid and stuff like that she's got them in a henry box and then we see ezekiel looking over the multi-community charter that everyone has signed and he rolls it up so i guess that indicates that he's taking it with him which Mm -hmm. he would you know that's it's very important to him and then everybody at the kingdom gets on horseback and wagons and a big convoy and they leave they get they hit the road for hilltop so basically the kingdom is abandoned it's no longer a livable place yep uh, not only that, but everybody is dressed up in warm winter clothing. You know, they're they're bundled up a little bit because it's getting cold and snow is starting. Uh, Ezekiel's the last one to leave. He gets on horseback and kind of looks back as he's going. And uh, that's it. We move on from the kingdom and we have the opening credits. Yeah. And we didn't really see this. We were wondering... Uh, over the last couple of episodes, uh, who was left at the hilltop? Like, what the hell is going to happen to the hilltop? Are they just going to abandon the hilltop? Mm-hmm. But uh, boy, were we ever wrong. Basically, everybody's going to move there is what's That's happening. That's right. That's, yeah. And it makes, from a production standpoint, it makes sense too. Fewer locations, right? Yes. First of all, yep. which is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, and the hilltop, I believe, is a set piece. Like, it's not a real location. It's something they built right? From the ground up. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but I think, 
Well, I, you might be correct. Yeah, I know Alexandria is a real place. Yeah. But Hilltop might not be. So if it's not a real place, then it's a lot easier to be control in control of that set for long-term filming. Sorry. Whereas I, like... I said Hilltop. I meant Kingdom. You're right. Hilltop is a real place too. That's a real building. That's a real building? Hilltop is, yeah, I think. Yeah. But Kingdom... Is Kingdom a, a real location? That I'm not sure. About. I don't know from locations. All right. Okay. Well, fewer locations. Definitely fewer you know? locations. And maybe the the hilltop, because it's a historical building, uh, they can, and not something that is being used on a regular basis, like people living there or businesses or such, uh, they can just go, yeah, we're going to rent this place for like a year. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, okay, no problem. I yeah. mean, just don't wreck the place. <laughs> don't burn it down. <laughs> don't burn it down like you usually do. Right. Like and, you do it everywhere uh, else. And, and yeah, that'll be fine. All right. Well, we come back from the opening credits and we've got this big caravan on the road and Michonne is talking with Yumiko about how nobody can really agree on what to do next. And they mention that they haven't heard from Maggie despite sending some letters. Yeah, I laughed at that. Well, me, How the fuck do you send a letter? Oh, well, me too. You put a stamp on it? No. And I, I, I started thinking, okay, so they've sent letters. That means someone is delivering these letters. So that means someone is traveling from Hilltop and or uh-huh. Kingdom to wherever Maggie is. Uh-huh. And then just never returning, I guess. Uh, or coming back and saying, well, maybe it's a, it's a relay system. Right. They drop off outgoing mail halfway between Hilltop and wherever Maggie is. And uh, they go back periodically to see if there's any response. Maybe it's asynchronous. We say wherever Maggie is. We know she's with Georgie's community. We just don't physically yeah, we don't know, know where that is. Where that's, it is. Or how, that's what I mean by wherever yeah, she is. Or how I mean, far, physically located. I don't know where that is. Right. Or how far away it is. Right. So, right. I mean, I didn't consider the relay system, but I was just thinking, okay. They're obviously sending someone there to deliver the mail. I guess they just haven't returned yet. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Like, there's no way to hear from them until someone comes back. So why are they surprised? Right? Well, yeah, that's the the only... So sending mail, like, and just letting it go is, uh, seems a little weird because, you know, there's no postal system. No. That I know of. I mean, unless Georgie's community has set up some kind of FedEx uh, where they have the helicopter fly packages around. Yeah. But I think we would probably need those details if they were going to be utilizing some sort of system like that. Yeah. And if they were, they better be delivering pizza. That's all I got to say. Sure. Pizza, other supplies, all kinds of things. So I just feel like this is not a very well thought through concept on the show. It's like, sure, we can send letters. We know letters have come from Maggie back to Hilltop, but it, never really occurred to me that, well, someone has to be delivering those letters. So it's not just the contents of the letter that you have to go on, right? You have the entire experience of whoever's been traveling back and forth. And it feels like they're kind of just ignoring that idea and saying, well, we only have these letters to go on. So we, we don't really know what's going on. Yeah. The only way I can explain that is by having some kind of uh, mail drop system where it's not somebody going to Georgie's community going, uh, Maggie, I have a letter for you. And she says, thank you very much. No response. Yeah, because that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> so you're right. And some sort of intermediate drop system. Yeah. Okay. Well, that I can get on board with, but it does feel a little, 
a little flaky storytelling wise, in my opinion. Or maybe they're using some kind of zombie express. They get a zombie, a homing zombie of some kind, mm. and they put a mailbag on the damn thing and they just go, okay, go to point B and the zombie just never comes back. So you don't know what happened to it really. It's like, <laughs> did you, did you deliver the letter? Uh, uh, did you get lost in the swamp? What happened? You don't know. No. It's a zombie. Don't trust zombies. Yes, you deliver don't. mail. You, you can't trust them to do very much. No. Well, anyways, maybe we'll get more information on that sometime in the future, but for now it feels a little thin. The whole idea feels a little thin. Yeah. Well, as they're traveling, they see some zombies in a field, kind of in the distance, and Alden starts wondering to Lydia if it's the Whisperers, and he's clearly acting a little bit hostile toward her, uh, yeah. you know, because his girlfriend got killed, so you can understand Yeah, he's talking that. smack for somebody that was in a cage for a long time uh, from the, the, the last season. Because uh, he's from the sanctuary, right? He is from the sanctuary, yes. Yeah, so he, when they captured him, he, they kept him in a cage for a while, but he was too good looking to stay there, so he got out. So he's, uh, I don't, you know, he's talking a lot of smack for somebody who was uh, was in a cage a little while ago. Fair enough, though, but Lydia's people killed his girlfriend, and so he's upset about that. Yeah, try not to take it personally. No, I suppose. Uh, Daryl agrees, and he tells him to kind of lay off. You know, he says that people can't speak to uh, Lydia like that. And she just says she doesn't want to cause any problems. You know, she's just trying to live her life. Mm -hmm. uh, Daryl goes to Carol and reminds her that Henry wanted Lydia there because, you know, Carol's a little bit uh, upset about everything as well, understandably. And she says that having Lydia around just makes her think of Henry, to which Daryl replies, you know, what do you think when you look at me? In, you know, and he's kind of implying that uh, everybody has dark things in their past and that most people when they show up as new members of the community are hard to trust at first, right? Including him. So yeah. the, uh, the correct answer there was, I think of a bandolier of squirrels and a necklace of ears. Uh-huh. And a, a racist a-hole of a brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you try not to judge people by their brother. Oh, fair enough. You're right. I mean, <laughs> it's true. But bandolier and necklace, you can judge people based yeah, on that, that. That's all him. That's all. That's right. His brother didn't make him wear those things. Yeah. He chose that for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Jerry then mentions that they have a big storm coming up and, you know, they're going to have to get to the next, or they're going to have to travel all the way through the night if they're going to make it to the next waypoint before the storm really hits. Okay. So the, even though the communities really haven't talked for a while and they haven't really been in contact, they have specific waypoints between their communities that they use, uh, for hotels, hoteling, I guess. Uh, I, I guess so. Or, or they've just mapped out a route, um, for this trip specifically because they have a, a large group of people and they know that they're probably going to end up going slower than usual and they're going to need to rest along the way. That's what I was thinking. Right. Okay. So the waypoint is just point on the map. It's not like a building that they plan on staying. I guess it might be a building that they're planning on staying in somewhere they can take shelter for the night. Yeah. I mean, this comes back to, again, not really having a good idea of how far it is between these communities, because sometimes it feels like it takes, it takes days to get from one to the other. And other times it feels like hours. This is one of the cases where it feels like it takes days and they're going to need some stops along the way to you know, recoup, get some sleep and just make sure everyone's doing well. Yeah. Or they could have run tents. I mean, it's up to them. 
Uh, I guess so. But there's lots of abandoned buildings, right? So they can they can take shelter in those. Um, and I think it's just that the group is so big, they're traveling slower than usual. That's the way I put it all together. Okay. Well, they could have brought tents. I think they probably should have, you know, thought about potential shelter options when you're leaving in the winter, when you can't actually, you know, check the weather before you leave mm. and see what the, uh, the road condition report is it's fair. between you and your destination. So you have to plan for, uh, you have to have contingencies. And one of those contingencies is bring a fucking tent. I suppose, but it's still a lot of people to tent up. They the could night. each bring a tent. I suppose. But does, wouldn't it take a long time to like stop and set up tents much longer than just oh, like yeah. get to a building and like file in and go to sleep? Absolutely. Yeah. It takes a long time to move. And the more people you have, the longer it takes. And so you should plan for that. I guess a little bit of planning is a good idea. Because if it takes two days for two people to go uh, between these two communities, it's going to take four days for 40 people to go. Maybe more. There's just no, there's no ands, ifs, ors, or buts about it. Long, large groups take longer to get places. Think about any time you've ever gone any place with a group of people in two cars. Oh, it's virtually right. impossible. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's just two motorized vehicles driving down a paved road. And it takes twice as long to get anywhere to get, if you just had one car. To get organized, to get packed, to like agree where to stop. To And even after you stop, you're like, you get out of the car and you talk a little bit and everybody goes to the bathroom and then you're trying to get back in the car and you have to talk about, okay, who's going to lead? What's going to happen? Where are we going? It's just, there's so much logistical bullshit that it goes along with simple crap like that. And you all have phones, you all have GPS uh, and you all know where you're going. It's not like you're going to get lost. No, yeah, it's amazing people, humans can get anywhere in groups, frankly. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you can plan for it all you want, but, you know, come up with a contingency plan Yeah, that includes tents. I suppose, bring a tent, always bring a tent and a towel, if we learned anything and, from And a towel, yeah, that would be nice. You can use a towel as a tent if you have to. All right, keep you warm. a big towel. Pillow, I'll dry you off when you're wet. I mean. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great, great thing to have. Okay, well, we cut over to Alexandria. And we have Father Gabe and Rosita. They are talking about how the heaters are dead. And then Eugene- the batteries are dead. Sorry, I guess the batteries are dead. So the heaters don't work. Yeah. So the, okay. Yeah. And Eugene comes in and complains about the, uh, the solar panels because it's like gray skies winter outside. Yeah. Obviously their solar panels are not going to be running at peak efficiency. No, absolutely. And they don't have enough power stored up. So they're trying to figure out what to do. And he says, Eugene says that they have to initiate winter one ice storm protocol. There you go. <laughs> See, so they've got a plan. They know what they, you know, at least a partial plan. Yep. I don't feel like it's a great one as we find out later, but it, they called it winter one ice storm protocol. So it's got a name. That's good. Yeah. They, what they should do is, uh, there was a friend of my parents in the Sioux when I was growing up that, uh, in the house, in the, in the eighties, they built this new house that had solar panels on it, but the solar panels were not for electricity. All they, it was like, how do I describe this? They pumped water through the solar panels in order to heat the water and the water heated a big pile of rocks that they had in the basement. And it basically generated, like warmed up all these rocks. And then they used that, those warm rocks to heat the house all winter. So those aren't really solar panels then. They're just. No, but this was the eighties. They called them solar panels. Oh, sure. It's just panels with water flowing through them. That's being heated by the sun. That's right. Okay. 
there's yeah. no no actual technology there other than maybe a pump to get the water. Yeah, up. water pump and a pile of rocks. Okay. And I think it was a fantastic idea. And I think that uh, if they could, you know, get a water pump, then they could do that and like heat the whole community for the whole winter just by heating up, you know, warming up a bunch of rocks. I, I, I guess, but you have to pre-do that while the sun's out. You can't do it now because it's too late. Oh, no. Obviously, it's it's way too late to do that. Sure. But okay. Shit. Plan, people. Plan ahead. All right. Winter's coming. They know that. It's not like uh, Game of Thrones where it comes, you know, once every few years and stays for a while. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is the, uh, you know, uh, it's not the earth. It's, you know, a similar reality to ours, but, uh, you know, winter comes every year, I assume. And they've been here for six years. They, they know about winter, right? That's not a surprise. I wouldn't think so. No, but it does so, feel like the first winter. Anyway. Yeah. You know, again, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Well, Father Gabe says that they can gather in the houses that have the largest fireplaces. And then they agree that they have to let Negan out or he'll freeze. Right. So they've got to get Negan. They can't let their prisoner freeze. They should just give him some wood and open the window and say, you know, start a fire. Good luck. Huddle around this fire. Be careful not to burn down the building. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we go back to the caravan. And they pass a section of road that has a whole bunch of footprints in the snow crossing it. Uh, a couple of zombies appear. Daryl kills them. I think Daryl kills one. Carol kills another. He goes He goes to get the bolts out of the zombies. And Ezekiel follows him to have a chat. And meanwhile, Lydia sneaks off into the forest. Yeah, she disappears behind some horses. She does. The horse passes the, the, the horse or the... Buggy passes in front and suddenly she's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we follow Daryl though, grabbing his bolts and Ezekiel tells him that it's been difficult with Carol lately. And he says it will be easier at Hilltop if it was just them. He basically tells Daryl to like scram so that he can repair his relationship with Carol. So is he jealous? Like what's the problem here? Carol having... You know, too many friends? Well, earlier on, as they were leaving Kingdom, you know, the scene where Daryl and Carol were talking a little bit, we we, we saw Ezekiel look back at them, uh, yeah. sort of in a confused, jealous-ish little way. Obviously, Ezekiel and Carol are having problems with their relationship, and he feels like Daryl is kind of, maybe not getting in the way, but kind of distracting Carol from the problem at hand. And he's telling Daryl to like hit the road so I can sort things out with my queen. Is he, could it, see, I don't understand jealousy and I'll get back to that in a second, but, uh, could he be thinking that if Daryl leaves, he'll take Lydia with him. And Carol was saying that every time I see her, I think of Henry when in fact, uh, you know, when he, when you see Daryl, you only think of squirrels and ears. Uh, so that's not really a problem because, you know. It's never been a problem before. Yeah. Uh, could that be the, the case that he wants Lydia gone? I, I do think that's a big part of it, right? Doesn't he say, at some point he says something like, um, it's, it's just a huge distraction for Carol um, and, and getting Lydia away, as we know, it just makes her think of Henry. And I think Ezekiel is basically thinking that if she can go, it'll allow Carol to kind of emotionally heal a little bit and I can be there to help her for that, but it's not working now because you're around and Lydia's around. Right. Okay. I mean, that's part of it anyways. Um, yeah, I just, the problem is I don't understand jealousy. I've never felt jealous that really? I know of. Really? 
Well, really? That's lucky for you. Yeah. My uh, Jenny was, uh, this was probably a couple of months ago now in the middle of the winter. She was knitting a hat for a friend of hers at work. I forget his name. Uh, anyway, she was knitting a hat for him and she was asking me to, you know, try it on, make sure it fit a man's head. And it was blue and white because he wanted something that uh, would fit over his large hair and was sort of like the Leafs colors. Mm -hmm. So she was knitting his hat and she came to me one day and said that her friend at work was wondering if you were jealous that she was knitting a hat for him. And it never occurred to me that one could be jealous of such a thing, but I guess it's possible. And even past girlfriends uh, with Jenny or anybody uh, hanging out with other people, it's, I've never felt jealous. I don't, to my best of my knowledge, I've never felt jealous and I don't understand it. Well, that's, that's good for you. Um, a lot of people would, uh, Jenny knit me this a long time ago. Oh yeah. It was, it was very similar to that. It, this is a, it's, but, it's a water bottle cozy and it's blue oh, yeah, and white I remember that. and it has a little maple leaf logo on it. So nice. uh, I happen to have it right here in the drawer beside me. Yeah. So. She did that for a friend of hers at work. I very much like it. Um, well, that's, that's lucky for you, but I think that could be playing into, well, I don't know if it's really, if jealousy is the right word for playing into what we've got going on with Ezekiel and Daryl and Carol here. Um, but, uh, e either way, Ezekiel wants Daryl to hit the road and you're right, probably take Lydia with him to give Carol some, you know, the opportunity to, uh, forget about it and heal a little bit. Yeah. Well, how is she going to do that? I mean, even with Ezekiel, I mean, they were. You know, they were parenting, parenting this guy, mm -hmm. this kid, and, uh, he died. Like looking at Ezekiel is going to remind Carol of Henry. Yeah. And same 100%. with Ezekiel looking at Carol. I mean, how, uh, having other people around, how could that hurt? Is he just, I think maybe he just wants the attention all to himself. Yeah. Like I want to repair this relationship. And if she's got other stuff going on. It's not all about me. And I wanted to, I, I just don't understand. That's, that seems a little bit selfish if that's the way he's thinking, but you know, people don't always think like completely clearly in situations like this. So he probably feels like things aren't getting better. In fact, things are getting worse between us. So maybe we need to change up the personnel a little bit and that'll, that'll be what solves the problem. Right. Uh, but who knows? It is a couple of things here that I got before we move on. I know I'm, I'm kind of harping on this a little bit, but uh, one is, did you notice that he dropped the King Ezekiel persona for this conversation? He was just Ezekiel. Did he? Like he, he, uh, yeah, you're right. He wasn't very regal. It's like, I don't want to be the bad guy here. You yeah. know, that's not a very kingly thing to say. No, you're right. You're right. He was just kind of being a regular dude. Yeah. So he dropped the, uh, he dropped the persona, which is, you know, uh, it kind of points to how serious this is for him. Right. That if it's so serious that he's, uh, he's, you know, he lost his kingdom, first of all. Uh, and second of all, he, uh, you know, this, uh, this family crisis he's going through, uh, it causes him to drop the king persona for a conversation uh, with somebody is uh, it, this serious shit. Yeah. And he's going through some serious shit. He decided to get real for a minute. Right. Uh, and the second thing is that, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for uh, a marriage to break up after the tragic death of a child. Yeah. So, very, very sadly. You're right. I mean. Very but, sadly. It's, but, yeah. You got, uh, I'm not sure what the odds are, but uh, it's not uncommon. 
That's for sure. Yeah. That's so right. he's probably worried about that. Like if she's, if she can't deal with it, because if you know that we've seen it in movies over and over and over again. And unfortunately it reflects reality is that when, you know, a couple does look at each other, it reminds them of the child that died and, uh, causes a rift that just simply can't be repaired. And you, you, you kind of understand that. Like that's yeah. the worst thing that can happen to a couple virtually, you know, that I can think of. So yeah. the other thing that this whole scene made me think about a little bit is the timeline of things. Yeah. Because, uh, in the last episode, I think it was the last one, King Ezekiel was offering Daryl a home at kingdom. Remember he was saying yeah. when this is Contingent all settled on, uh, what, what, you know, fixing up the hilltop or getting everything clear of the hilltop. Yeah, totally. But he was saying when this is all settled, like we would be honored if you'd call kingdom your home. So like there was certainly no animosity between them then, obviously this was before, you know, the tragic events and so on. Um, and then here we are and, and we're at this point, the snow has started to fall and Ezekiel mentions his exact words, I think in the last few months or sorry, the last few months have been difficult for Carol and I. So we know that it's been mm. a few months since the heads on pikes. Right. And we're at the, at the end of the last episode when Lydia was putting the necklace down in front of the pike, the snow had started already. So it's been, it was a few months for her to get to that point. Yep. So it's been three or four months. We've had Carol and Ezekiel's relationship break down. And, you know, I was wondering how long it had been. I guess it took a few months for uh, Lydia to get out there and drop the necklace because the snow has started and the snow, you know, doesn't last for a few months like that. So I just, I think that was kind of figuring out the timeline, which I was wondering about before. Uh, yep. And it also kind of feels a little bit weird to me that it took three months for Lydia to go to the pike that Henry's head was on. But maybe not. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody grieves in their own way, right? There's no really I suppose. any, you know, set schedule for it. There's no rules, hard or fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That does make sense that uh, that the timeline is, you know, two or three months. I guess a few is three. Few is generally four. three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you fall four? If it's been four months, you say a quarter? <laughs> Most people would. <laughs> or a third. Three months is a quarter, yeah? Uh, yeah. Three quarter months, is, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, math. Uh, so four months would be a, it's more than a few. Yeah, it's a few plus one. Yeah. Okay, so a few is three. Correct. And that's that where we sense. are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, let's, let's continue here. We go to Lydia. She is in the woods alone now. Remember she snuck off. She comes to a zombie that's frozen into a pond. That's the other thing too. There's, there's a lot of frozen water in this episode. And when I say frozen water, I mean like rivers and ponds frozen solid. So it's been cold for a while. Like ponds don't yeah. freeze over that fast. So it's been, no, it takes a while. It's been it, least, it doesn't freeze at the first snow. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. It's been at least a few months. Anyways, she's she encounters this frozen zombie in a pond. She approaches it slowly, then rolls up her sleeve and puts her exposed arm out towards it. And just as the music crescendos and the zombie is about to bite her in the arm, Carol approaches, uh, and Lydia draws back from the zombie. And what I found interesting about this scene is Carol didn't intervene. 
She didn't say stop. She didn't run up and grab her. She just stood there and watched. And Lydia saw her and decided not to basically commit suicide by zombie. Right. Which, that's fine. Yeah. It's Carol. Uh, that's right. Carol was just kind of witnessing what was going on, at least for now. Yeah. She dies. She dies. Whatever. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> uh, no, she was, uh, I don't think it was a matter of if she dies, she dies, whatever. I think she was there like, well, if she turns, I'll take care of it. Right. I can, I can handle that. But she was waiting to see what happens. Uh, but her presence is what prevented Lydia from going through with it. Or at least that's what we're led to believe. Right. So uh, back on the road, we've got Jerry and Aaron, and they say they have to get off the roads before the storm really hits. So Michonne decides to take them to the old sanctuary building for shelter, because I guess that's closest. I guess so. I guess uh, that's on the way. And frankly, it's a pretty good place to take shelter um, anyways, but that's where they go. It's a big factory with a bunch of broken windows. It's fine. Well, at least you're out of the wind and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's also like 40 apartments there from what I remember. Like Eugene had a part, had an apartment. Uh, everybody has apartments. Why hang out in the main floor? That's just a big open space. Head to one of the apartments where you can close the freaking door and like four people in there would warm that place up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. You get four people naked under a blanket, you get warm fast. Uh, well, yeah. I mean. That's a party. <laughs> that's a party. I mean, even maybe even some of the uh, the, the uh, apartments might have a hot plate. But I guess they don't have electricity. No, no. But either way, I mean, you're right. Get get deep into the building where it's nice and warm. Everything will be fine. All right. So uh, I, I got to make a blanket statement here uh, just to, I'm, I'm only going to bring it up this once. Okay. Uh, I've grown up in Canada. I've uh, I lived in Canada pre- uh, all my life. Me too. Uh, I lived in Northern Alberta in Fort McMurray for a while where it was very, 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 very cold. Even the Sioux where you spent a lot of your childhood is pretty damn cold. Uh, pretty cold. Uh, lots of snow. I've seen all kinds of different snow. I've seen some weird snow. I've seen snow that, you know, it squeaks when you walk on it. Uh, I've seen all kinds of stuff. And uh, this obviously was a bunch of crap snow that they manufactured for the uh, uh, for this television show. And they actually looked like they painted snow onto the grass and stuff. So I'm just going to say, you know, trying to make fake snow in Atlanta when... Even Atlanta knows what snow looks like, and it doesn't look like this. So the snow throughout this episode was crap. Uh, you know, I on one hand, I kind of agree with you. But on the other hand, I think at times it looked pretty good. It did, because they were blowing snow on. There was, uh, okay, so yes, you're absolutely right. I have to backstep just a little bit in that <laughs> some snow, when it was hitting Lydia, even in the scene we just saw, when it would hit, it would actually land on her leg and melt. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was actual like frozen water. Yeah. That was coming down that they, but I don't believe the snow. I don't even believe the storm because the amount of snow that would be, would accompany this storm would be a lot more than what we saw. Yeah. On the I, ground. Look, I agree. I had some problems with the storm, the snow, but it, it was balanced with times when I thought it looked okay. Uh, and this is one of those scenes when she's walking through the forest and it, it felt to me like the snow on the ground and the trees behind her looked okay. And as it, it sort of landed on her body and her head, it looked okay. So at times they nailed the snow and at other times they didn't. Yeah. And, but I, I can, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to forgive it because they didn't 
film this in a location where uh, this kind of storm probably would occur uh, and the amount of snow that they would require in order to properly portray that they couldn't get without traveling north a long ways, especially when they were filming this. Right. Because it wasn't, you know, it was probably, when did they film it? Uh, they this fall? They film from like May to October or November or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, they wouldn't have that kind of snow. They, they might have some freak occurrences where they would just, would have a snowy day, but you don't like get a camera crew together to film a whole episode on the day it happens to no. snow. No, they don't get this kind of snow in Atlanta. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> they do get snow, but it's Hardly. wet snow, right? Yeah, yeah, it would be not this kind of snow where they would walk on it and it would still be snow when they were done. It would be like this sloppy, gross mess that uh, you know we see far too often when it first starts to snow in the fall. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so that's it. That's all I'm going to say for snow in this whole episode, even though it does get worse. Okay. As we move on, I understand you had to bring it up and. Uh, We'll try not to anymore. So commercial- if there's one thing I know about it's snow. Well, That's yeah, it. I hear you. Commercial break and we come back. We are at Alexandria and we are in the house with Negan uh, and Gabe, Rosita, Eugene, Sadiq and Judith together. And Negan's kind of just jawing away. He won't shut up. He's kind of being funny, making fun of people. He's talking about how Rosita's doctor is also her baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's just generally being a dick to everybody. Uh, and then he calls Father Gabe, Father, not the father. <laughs> I got to admit. So Negan hasn't changed. No, he hasn't changed. But I that was one of the funnier lines, I thought. I, I enjoyed that one myself. Uh, and even, even Father Gabe seems to get a laugh out of this. Like, he kind of smiles a bit and he tells him to stop being so predictable. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that's exactly why you're still in a goddamn cage. Uh, you idiot. Like, why are you, you just, you really can't help yourself. You're going to be chained to a post for the rest of your life. If you don't, you know, get it together and act like a human being and not just cause shit everywhere you go. Yeah, no, he can't, he can't not do that. That is just in his nature. It's part of his personality. And, uh, that's Negan. That's the, the way he is. For some reason though, for me, it works a little bit better when he's like, in a room with a, a small group of people, instead of standing on a stage, delivering these lines to an audience. I don't know what right. it is, but this scene didn't bother me. It was just Negan being kind of Dick Negan instead of, I don't know, grandstanding Negan. So it's, it's funny. It's funny how that changes my opinion of him a little bit. Okay. I don't know. So that's how I felt. Um, he then starts talking about um, dog and Judith says that he's missing in the storm. Uh, but that conversation gets derailed quickly because he decides, or Negan says he smells something and then the fireplace explodes. Yeah. So why wouldn't Daryl have the dog? Well, if you recall, he left the dog with Connie to look after. Months, months ago. Uh, you're right. Months ago. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, but now apparently Judith is supposed to look after the dog and the dog is stuck outside in the storm. But I don't know why Daryl doesn't have it. That's, it's very confusing for a dog. You keep handing him off from person to person to person. No wonder, no wonder he ran away. Well, you're absolutely right. And Jennifer in Minneapolis said, I thought Connie was taking care of dog. Where the F was she this episode? Nice follow through there, sister. You totally blew your chance with the D-man lady. 
Yeah. <laughs> or uh, maybe, well, I don't know. I just, I found it weird that Daryl doesn't have the dog. I thought it was Daryl's dog. It Darryl is. Daryl never seems to want, to want to be with his best friend dog. It, yeah, I know what you mean. And, and it makes it even weirder that now we know that it's three months later. Uh, that didn't occur to me at the time. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Connie is supposed to be looking after this dog, but where the hell is she? She wasn't even in the episode. Uh, but it's three months later, so a lot could have changed. And yeah, why? And Judas said that Daryl asked her to take care of him. So this must be a regular occurrence where Daryl, you know, is pawning off his dog onto mm. babysitters or dog sitters left, right, and center. It's like, you know, I love this dog. I think he's the best dog ever. But uh, you know what? I want a day without the dog. I'm going to leave the dog here. Yeah. I don't know. You'd think he'd keep the dog with him. Dog is extremely useful. Dog is useful. And dog could have been useful to Daryl in this very episode. I think so. Well, uh, anyways, we, uh, oh, Eugene, you know, we come back after the explosion and the fire and he explains yeah, yeah. that the chimney is clogged and there was some sort of, you know, gas buildup that exploded. So they can't have a fire there. So here's another uh, example of poor planning. They have, the winter's coming. Winter comes every year. Mm -hmm. it, as far as I know, as far as I recall, I've been around winter almost every year. I have been around winter every year of my life. I've never spent a winter anywhere where there wasn't winter. Uh, <laughs> you know, you clean the chimney during the summer when you don't need it so that when you do need it in the winter that you know is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it is very useful to you. So what happened was the flue got clogged up because it got filled with creosote, which will start a fire mm -hmm. like that. And uh, because it got filled, then the snow kept falling on it. And then you lit a fire inside and didn't notice that none of the smoke was going up the chimney. Because if it was clogged like that, this whole building would be full of smoke. Yeah. And it was none of it's going out the chimney. Right. It was just all so, filling in the room. So it wouldn't explode necessarily, but it would start a chimney fire and chimney fires are very hard to put out and it would burn this whole building down. Yeah. So they, these people, I mean. You've had a fireplace. You I know this. I do. I, I, it's no longer functional, but it used to be. Yeah. And we used it once in a while. Yeah. Did you get it cleaned? Uh, yeah. At, Ever? A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, you know, we didn't, haven't used the fireplace in a couple of years, but uh, the, before every, every fall we'd get it cleaned. Right. Well, if you're going to use it, you have to, you want to be safe. You want to practice yeah. safe fireplace usage. Absolutely. And these people would know that if you are in one of the three buildings that have uh, a, a big fireplace that you can use to shelter in the winter, God damn it. Clean your friggin' chimney so that it's at least useful when you need it in an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't kill you. It tried. It tried to kill them. Now it was unsuccessful. So they decide that they have to move everybody to Aaron's house. Where they can stay warm. This must be just a surprise winter. Maybe it, you know, maybe they don't get winter every year in this world. Or, you know, they, they did make a note that winter has come earlier than usual. So it could be a surprise winter storm. It's a summer thing to do or spring thing to do, you know, prepare. Or even fall, like clean your chimney in the fall so that, yeah, you know, winter is coming no matter what, whether it comes early or late. Yeah. Okay. So here's the rule of thumb. If the pumpkins are orange. Clean your chimney. Good rule. Good rule. I like it. That, that's my rule. All right. Everyone, words to live by. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's what they decide they do, to do. They have to go to Aaron's house. And then they're like kind of about to leave. And Negan's like, hey, come on. Are you really going to leave me here? Uh, not untie me? And Rosita indicates that, you know, we could just tell Michonne it was an accident. Yep. But, of, but of course, they untie him and they're going to bring him along. 
So they connect each other to a rope and open the doors to a wild wintry wonderland out there. Yeah. Good, uh, good thinking. Good thinking. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that. I think it's an optional rope though. It's not like everybody's tied to the rope. Well, right? they're holding on to it to stay like yeah. together. Anyways. Yeah. But hanging on to it is optional apparently. Well, I guess so. Yeah. You're not yeah. physically attached to it. Uh, we go back to the sanctuary. Carol is sitting along the stairs. Daryl comes to see her and they talk about whether she's okay. And he reassures her that they will make it to safety and all these things. Uh, she asks about what happened between Daryl and Ezekiel. And she says that Ezekiel uh, blames Daryl for things because he can't bring himself to blame her. So, you know, Daryl's convenient as a, as a blame target. And uh, she talks about losing herself again, but she's trying to hang on. And this is where Daryl offers to take Lydia away, um, but he doesn't really want to go. And uh, Lydia hears them speaking from below the stairs. Um, but Tar- Carol talking about losing herself kind of feels to me like she's settled into this role with Ezekiel, kind of the queen, kind of, um, you know, uh, easy, not, maybe not easy going, but, you know, just sort of slightly more relaxed Carol. And yeah. with everything that's been going on lately, she's kind of losing that and reverting back to murderous rage Carol a little bit. Yeah. Just cut her hair and set her loose. Let's yeah. get this thing done. Let's get her done. Yeah. But I don't think she wants to revert back to that, right? She likes her new life. Eh. It's the hero sh- the, we need, not the hero that we want. What is, how does that go? It's Batman thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's the hero we need, not the one that she wants, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so step up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go crazy true. for a little while. Let's get this shit done. And then you can, uh, you can find yourself a new son. You can grow your hair back after that again. Yeah, yeah. If you want. You know, there's probably kids lying, there's kids lying around everywhere. They keep picking up babies. <laughs> That's right. Just find a new one. <laughs> just find a new one. They're everywhere. You'll be fine. They just leave them on the, in the field now. Uh, Yeah. So don't do that anymore. What and... happened to that baby? Where's that baby? That baby needs a mama. Right. See? Well, we get Ezekiel and Michonne talking about what to do. They realize that they don't have enough su- supplies with them to survive very long. So they study the map and they decide to get to the next way station. But to do that quickly, they have to pass through Whisperer territory, mm. which they're not so keen on doing. Convenient. Yes. They will have to walk across a frozen river. And out of everybody, Ezekiel seems the one who is most worried about this. But they all agree they have no other choice. And you can feel in this scene, I think, more than any kind of the tension between Carol and the king here a little bit, because, you know, he's trying to be cautious and say, you know, should we really cut through their territory? Is it worth it? What if they see or they find us? I mean, that's going to be bad for everybody. But Carol is steadfastly on the side of we have to. We have no other choice. Our people are going to freeze to death if we don't. So, um you know, they're not really working as a team here. Uh, no. They're kind of on different sides of this argument. Then they're not thinking very smart either, because in order to go across this frozen uh, river and to go through the Whisperer's territory, uh, they can't bring the horses in the wagons. So they're just going to let the horses die? I guess they're just going to leave them. Okay, so in that case, why not just eat the horses? Stay there for a couple of days. Uh, yeah. Eat a horse, one horse. 
probably feed them for a week. It probably quite a long time. You you got to think. I mean, horses are big, and sure, there's a lot of them, but that's a fair bit of food. You ration that out? Yeah, they'll keep you warm too. If I know anything about uh, dead animals, tauntauns. <laughs> yeah, tauntauns and uh, the revenant and what have you. Right. Uh, you uh, you know, if you need to keep warm, you know, get naked, crawl inside a dead animal. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing gross about that. <laughs> and it really happened in the revenant. I mean, tauntauns are one thing, and we all know that they smell worse on the inside than they do on the outside. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I think The Revenant's a true story, isn't it? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Well, you know what? If people don't know that you're going to randomly spoil shit by now, <laughs> I, I think... It's at least a couple of years old. It's not like it's like, like I'm not going to spoil... Uh, uh, what's up now? That movie... Uh, <laughs> Captain <laughs> Marvel. Yeah, Captain Marvel. I'm not surprised if you did, but let's try not to. Um, So anyways, we have a commercial break and we come back and we're still at the sanctuary. Uh, Michonne and Ezekiel continuing to talk, you know, they, he regrets not getting people out of the kingdom sooner because of what's gone down. And she assures him that it's not the place that matters, it's the people. These people are your kingdom, and you're doing yeah. what you need to do right now to help them and make sure they survive. Yeah. Too bad they didn't see... <laughs> Damn it. Nothing. going to spoil Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Same thing happened there. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Michonne also says that Alpha was able to walk amongst them because they didn't know each other, and that was a mistake. And now they do. And so they're helping each other and everything is fine now. There you go. Other than they're on the road with no community and about to freeze to death. But, you know, they're working on that. Yeah, they're, you know, not planning ahead or doing very well on thinking about what they're actually doing. Like, they're just going to leave the horses to die? I know, I Don't know. We, like, uh, leaving somebody behind to take care of the horses? Like, here's all our food. Uh, you know, we don't have enough for, we only have a couple of days worth of food, but we're going to get to the way station and all the way to the kingdom, uh, in less time now, because we're going to take shortcuts. So we're going to leave a cache of food for you, uh, so that you can take care of the horses and we'll come back for you. I mean, that's a pretty good idea. That is a pretty good idea. Or kill one horse, you eat that and we'll be back in a week. Right. Right. That's got to be plenty of food for one person in a week. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you can freeze it too. There's all kinds yeah. of snow everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Stick it outside. It'll freeze. Yeah. All right. Well, they had lots of options that they didn't seem to uh, act on, uh, but they decide to go and, you know, that's fine because now they're all, this is the kingdom and they're all working together. Yeah. So we see them traveling at night through the snow. They come to the border of pikes, which are still stuck in the ground. And of course they stand there for a second, stare at them emotionally before passing right on through. So we know now they are into Whisperer territory. Yeah, beyond the point of no return. That's exactly right. We go to the group in Alexandria. They are making their way through the snow in single file, all holding on a rope, onto a rope to keep in line. And then Judith hears dog barking and lets go of the rope and runs off into the snow, into the whiteout conditions. And of course, Negan goes after her. Because he yep. needs to go help her. And is free. They didn't like chain him to the rope or anything. No, they or did somebody not. else. They did not. He is just free to run off into the snow. It's the worst. The people are the worst at keeping prisoners. The worst. Well, you know what? They've been pretty good for six years. No, they don't even let him out of the cage. They got to let him out of the cage or he wouldn't be able to walk. 
Yeah, well, maybe they do. He can obviously walk, so he's had some yard time, I think. I think a good measure for uh, a society is how they treat their prisoners. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. These guys suck. These guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, nits to pick here with with a lot of this stuff. Um, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, holy crap, none of these people, have none of these people experienced snow before? I understand the characters are all Southerners, but the lack of preparation and fear of a minor snowstorm was laughable. Maybe it's being from an area frequently receiving snow, but I've never considered tying friends and family together to walk three blocks. <laughs> I don't know. Some There's some like whiteout conditions. You might lose people in, uh, in such a thing. I, it's, it, was, it was dark and the, the visibility was very poor. I will give you that. But I'm kind of with James. Like I've, it's never occurred to me that to travel like from my house down the street to someone else's house, even in the worst snowstorm, did I need to tie everyone together with a rope? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I've, you know, I've never done that either. Seemed a little you know, I've been strange. Out, I've been out in some pretty bad snowstorms. Right. And because I needed something from the store and 90% of the snowstorms that I've encountered, I just consider it snowing. This is not a storm. It's snowing. That's not, doesn't make it a storm. Yeah. Snow happens. You know, we're used to it. Yeah. Where we're from anyway. Sometimes it's slippery. Right. And I've fallen down walking in the snow, you know, multiple yeah. times in my life. Uh, I once fell down on my way to work one morning and there was a lady standing in her driveway and I fell down on her sidewalk and she was extremely concerned because she hadn't shoveled her sidewalk and then I fell and she thought I was going to be angry with her. Oh, no. And I mean, the, uh, the, the legal precedent or the legal standard in, uh, in Canada is, uh, not that, it, like, if you fall in somebody's yard or in front of their house when uh, they haven't shoveled, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you have a reasonable expectation of you're walking in the goddamn winter and it's slippery out and there's ice on the sidewalk. You know, you can't just sue everybody for uh, for falling down. Sure. But at the same time, it is a responsibility of the homeowner to shovel that snow. Within 12 hours of the end of the snowstorm. Correct. Or the end yeah. of the snowing. So if it's snowing... You know, all bets are off. You're good. After it's done snowing, you have to shovel your driveway or shovel your sidewalk only if everybody else has shoveled as well. Mm. Like if, uh, if the reasonable expectation is, uh, or if nobody shovels, then again, all bets are off, right? You have to, it has to be, uh, you have to adhere to the standard of what's going on in your neighborhood. If everybody's shoveled and you're the only house in the whole block that hasn't shoveled and somebody slips in your in front of your yard, then you have some culpability in what happened. But if nobody shovels because it's a freak snowstorm and it's taken everybody, uh, you know, nine days to dig out, then you don't, you, st- you can't sue somebody for not shoveling in that case. All right. Well, I, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I don't know if you're correct about that, yeah. about how. It depends on what everyone else has done. Anyways, I'm sure people are fascinated by us talking about the snow shoveling rules of the city of Toronto. Yeah, but whiteout conditions, uh, I, I didn't think it was unreasonable for them to have a rope to stay together. It was a big group. And as we've taught, discussed, big groups are annoying to move from place to place and keep everybody together. So I don't think, you know, holding hands would probably be enough. I don't yeah. know if they need a rope. 
I guess so. I mean, I can sort of see your point, but. They do that with toddlers, right? Toddlers go for a walk. Everybody hangs on to the rope. Well, they don't let go of the rope. Probably wouldn't have to be snowing to do that for toddlers. Yeah. No, you just, when you're out with toddlers. <laughs> a big enough group. You don't want one yeah. to wander off. Yeah. All right. Well, we are, we go back with Ezekiel's group and they come across some frozen walkers. Daryl shoots one. Michonne chops down two more. They continue forward and they come to the edge of the river, which they have to cross. And then uh, Daryl and Michonne go to check the ice and Lydia sneaks off again. <laughs> the chopping of those those two zombies by uh, Michonne was awesome. Did you notice that? They were kind of uh, clinky, slushy kind of ice chops, like uh, yeah. when somebody's frozen solid. Uh, like, I, like I've seen that before. What, but, uh, but I assume when somebody's frozen solid and you chop them, it's like chopping at ice. Yeah, well, was, they were sort of awesome. They were frozen, definitely not moving, and frozen like on the outside, but they were still a little bit gooey on the inside, right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty well done because that's sort it, of it was well done. How, I thought the the attention to detail in that shot was uh, was pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lydia sneaks off again. Daryl notices she's gone, so Carol once again goes to find her. Uh, but just then, walkers start emerging from the snow and coming up from the ground and people start stabbing them in the head and Sean on the internet writes, Holy crap. So zombies apparently freeze to statue form, except when they don't, when don't they do you ask when they're covered in snow, they're actually warmer. Apparently that said, I like the iconic horror movie moment of the dead rising from the ground. Uh, for human beings being in, uh, you covered in snow could keep you warmer. It's a good insulator. We do generate our own body heat, though, whereas zombies do not. Yeah. Oh, good point. That's the thing. So, uh, yeah, because, you know, it's colder. It's like when you go swimming in a lake, right? And and the water's cold when you first get in, but it's colder to get out of the water than it is to stay in the water because the air is colder than the actual water. It's the same thing with the snow. Right. Right. You cover yourself with snow. It is, you know, frozen water, but it is a good insulator. So, uh, as you know, for humans in that situation, maybe it's the, the problem is the melting of the, of the snow. If it's touching your skin, that's, that's the thing is you can't let it touch your skin, have some kind of insulation layer or else the melting of the snow wicks away all the heat in your body. And then you're fucked anyway. Right. Right. But zombies, yeah, there's no excuse. They, they were frozen solid. They'd be frozen just like the ones above the snow. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe they had heating pads underneath them put there by the whispers to keep them nice and toasty warm in case they needed them as zombie traps. I don't think that's it. No. No. I don't think so. They should have been frozen. Commercial break and we come back and we're continuing to fight the walkers uh, while many of the rest of the group uh, begin to cross the river. Uh, you know, Daryl kills one. Michonne kills some. She takes a couple of swipes to kill one. Um, and then says it's not the whisperers and now everyone's across, but I wasn't sure what the implication there was with her taking two swipes to kill that one zombie. Cause she never does that. She usually just hacks him down. I don't know. I, I mean, was she trying to determine if it was a whisperer or not? Like just slice it a bit, see if it reacts. I well, think maybe, why not just kill it anyway? Well, you know, sort it out afterwards. I guess so. But maybe that was. You know, they, throughout the whole episode, they were worried about, are the whisperers going to be here? Are they going to see us? Are they going to find us? Are they going to attack us? And it didn't seem to me like any of these were whisperers, people wearing zombie masks, but maybe that's what she was trying to do. She just give it a little slice 
because a human being would react with pain, whereas a zombie won't, right? I know I would. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's maybe what she does, realizes it's not a whisperer, then kills it. And that's because it's the moment she says that it's not them. So now that I say it out loud, I think that's probably what she was doing. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit odd that uh, she would take a swipe at something and it not die. Well, and because she's never done that before, right? That's, she's a pretty effective zombie killer. So, um, anyways, that's, that's what was going on there. Uh, now Carol finds Lydia in a nearby barn and she asks her what the hell she's doing. Lydia says that she doesn't want to continue because none of this is going to make their problems go away. She's worried that Hilltop won't take her back and she doesn't think of herself as a good person. So then she asks Carol to kill her. Yeah, this, I've talked about author intrusion in the past where the writing is so bad. You're like, oh my God, how did they write that? This is one of those things. Oh no. Where she, she's upset and she looks at Carol and she says, I know I don't want to go because I know what's on the other side of that river. The same thing that's on this side of the river. Nothing. Just, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. That it, was, that was, it, it was heartbreaking to hear that, that kind of dialogue coming out of somebody. Nobody would think to say that kind of thing unless they were just, I don't know what, mentally deranged. Like what would make someone say that? I don't want to go because I know what's over there. Same thing that's here. Nothing. Yeah. I, I know. So melodramatic. Mean. It's sappy and sick. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I didn't love this scene either. I, I just thought overall it was a little bit on the nose, kind of a little bit cheesy. So, um, you know, I don't know. But she asks Carol to kill her and uh, um, sort of, you know, we don't know what find out. We don't find out what happens quite yet because we cut back to Daryl. He almost gets overwhelmed by zombies one ends up on top of him but of course it's daryl so he manages to flip it over he reaches up grabs a big icicle and stabs it through the eye socket of the zombie which is kind of funny because he was uh, he was overwhelmed by this zombie until he got a hold of the uh the icicle and at that point he was able to flip the zombie over and get control of the situation and then stab it through the eye yep so why not just get control of the situation why did you have to have a icicle for this to happen? Was it a, you know, uh, a power up? He needed a, he needed a weapon. He didn't have a stabby weapon. So he grabbed an icicle. You could do that. I mean, icicle would stab someone through the eye socket. Yeah. But he grabbed the icicle and then he was able to get control of the situation before stabbing him in the eye. It wasn't like a desperate grab for whatever makeshift weapon he had in order to get control of the situation. He got the thing and that gave him the power to get control of the situation. And then he used the thing. Well, like it just, it, it was a little stilted. Like the, the one did not naturally lead to the other. It was, uh, uh, the only way I could see it was, it was like a power up. I got the, I got the power, I got the power ball and, uh, it made me grow three times larger than I normally was. And I could jump higher and, uh, kill the bad guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. I could see that I suppose, but in any case he survives and Michael in Melbourne, Australia wrote, holy crap, Daryl, with the perfect crime, the ice dagger melts and the murder weapon is no more, no fingerprints or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like there's investigators investigating zombie deaths. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a, you know, an ice dagger is, uh, is perfect. It's pretty good. Well, it just leaves us a puddle. That's right. You never know. 
Uh, we go back to Lydia and Carol and Lydia now grabs the end of Carol's spear and like raises it up to her own neck. And, you know, it's kind of basically telling her, do it, shove this through my neck end all the problems because of me by killing me. She begs her to kill her. She even says, do it for Henry. Right. She's like, yep. she's appealing to <laughs> Carol's, you know, love for her son. But instead, Carol thrusts but kills a zombie that's behind Lydia and uh she says that Lydia isn't weak and then takes her hand to lead her back to the group. Yeah, you know what would have been more poignant? What? If this had taken place on the covered bridge where they first found her. Where just, they first captured Lydia. Just based on location? Just based on location and uh also, you know, having her uh if she was able to fully commit to the group like the uh Instead of uh, being torn between uh, killing Henry and this group and uh, her family, her mother, uh, and all that kind of stuff, where she could fully be part of the Hilltop group, if she could have that moment, that moment never happened. So what I what I'm asking for is that moment to happen, and for it to happen in the covered bridge where she was first kidnapped. I, I have a question: Are yeah. we sure this isn't the the covered bridge? Yeah, this was just a cabin in the woods. Are we sure? Because they're crossing yeah. a river. Did she not? I know maybe... they're crossing a river. That's why I thought that maybe that was happening, but this is not that. This is just a a, a random cabin in the woods. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I think you're right. Having it happen in that covered bridge would have been some sort of poetic symmetry, right, to the whole thing. Yeah. But once you mentioned it, I thought maybe it was the bridge, but I don't have the episode in front of me. So well, yeah, when I first, the first time I saw it, I'm like, Oh, is this the covered bridge? And then the second time I'm like, no, nah, it's not the covered bridge. And now that I'm watching it again for the third time, it is definitely not the covered bridge. All right. Well, missed opportunity there, I'd say. Yeah. All right. Uh, back in Alexandria, uh, Negan is searching in these whiteout conditions for Judith, as he's running around, some flying debris hits him in the leg, injuring him. Did you have audio problems? No, I did not. Like, I got this from iTunes. Did you watch it on iTunes? I uh, did, yeah. Okay. Because uh, back in a previous scene and then in this scene, uh, music would cut out for random points and then it would come back in. In this in this particular scene, not only the, did the music cut out, but the wind blowing sound cut out. So it was just him walking around and then getting hit by something. And then the wind storm sounds coming back in a few seconds later, it was jarring. Hmm, that's uh, weird. So I assume it was a technical issue of some kind, but it happened like, it wasn't just the, the one viewing. Normally I would just chalk that up to my computer behaving badly mm -hmm. because it does that sometimes. Sure. And iTunes on my computer behaves badly. It crashes. It's very annoying. Uh, but the audio problems persisted uh, in the second viewing in the same spots. Interesting. I didn't notice, but I'll, I'll go back and check, but I'm sorry to hear that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I've, it's a technical glitch. It, a, it happens. Part, you know, a show issue. Sure. Uh, anyways, he gets hit in the leg with some flying debris. He's injured now, but then he hears dog. He finds the two of them. They kind of take shelter outside of a barn wall. It looks like Negan takes off his coat. He covers Judith with it. Uh, then jokes about her just wanting to get some extra Negan time, you know, funny guy. Uh, he attends to his wounded leg and then picks her up and walks away with her and the dog. And I've got a holy crap here from Terry on the internet. 
Holy crap, did you see when Negan rescued Judith and Dog that when he went to put the tourniquet on his leg, he sounded like Chewbacca? That was cool. Yeah, well, here's what he sounded like, Jason. Listen to this. I'm real glad I found him. Oh! It did sound like Chewbacca. You want to hear that one more time? I do, and I've got, uh, yeah, please. I'm real glad I found him. Oh! The closed captioning. For this says groans loudly. When I first saw the closed captioning, because the second time I watch it through, I watch closed captioning. Captioning, I thought it said groan groans bodily, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because it was it. But yeah, it's absolutely a Chewbacca sound. That's totally Chewbacca. But uh, nice, nice one, Terry. That uh, you know, I didn't pick up on that. But when you listen back, I mean, that might as well come straight out of Chewbacca's mouth. Finally, we have a Chewbacca. Yes, we. I mean, do. We've been we've had a Luke and a you know Obi Wan and. Uh, you know, even Han Solo. Who but, uh, who would have thought that Negan ended up being Chewbacca? Yeah, well, not me. No, I know. I mean, uh, Eugene is uh, obviously C three PO, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> uh, the other question I have about this scene is: he picks up Judith to walk away with Dog, yet he has an injured leg, and I'm pretty sure Judith can still walk. So why does he insist on carrying her? Why doesn't he like grab her hand? And they walk away together. I didn't get that. Uh, because the storm has completely incapacitated Judith. And uh, Negan is now the uh, uh, the super-powered parent that, uh, you know, it's been known to happen where, you know, people summon uh, strength in times of crisis where they didn't know that they had that, uh, that kind of strength before. Yes. Uh, so that's what Negan was doing. It's like, well damn this injury, I'm still going to be able to perform this action because someone I care about is in mortal danger and you just suck it up and get it done. Okay. I just was like, you don't need to pick her up, dude. You can walk and your leg is injured and she can walk. So just lead her away somewhere. You don't carry her and make everybody's situation worse. Right. Phew. I found you. Come with me. Right. Might've been a better idea. (laughs) Okay. Uh, after a commercial break, the, we see the group arriving at Hilltop. It's daytime now and the storm has stopped. So I guess they, you know, made it through. Uh, Which means they could have stayed at the uh, sanctuary because they had a couple of days worth of food and if the storm ended overnight, they would have been fine. I guess, but they didn't know the storm was going to end overnight, right? No, they didn't, but. But good they point. They put themselves in, in danger for no reason. And they left those horses to die. Like, go get the horses now, will you? Well, wait a minute. They took a shortcut. That's why they went through Whisperer territory, right? So they're there earlier yep. than they would have been. But I see your point. It seems like they're getting there pretty soon. They got another couple of days of food. Yeah. Like, they, they left with a bunch of food in their pockets. Or, yeah. you know, left with the horses because the wagons probably carried that food and they left the food behind with the horses. Yeah, probably. So no matter what, they should turn around and go back and get their stuff right away. But Well, the stuff is fine. The stuff will just freeze and they can get it, but so will the horses. So uh, go back and get the horses. Yeah, good point. Unless they slaughtered them while they were leaving. It's like, <laughs> oh, I can't leave this horse to die. <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't see that. So let's hope that didn't happen. Yeah, they, they surprisingly have very little concern for these, you know, beautiful animals. They are. Like, we got to walk. Okay, but, well. Let's go. Let's just go. See ya, but, horses. But, but, but horses. <laughs> I know. Uh, as they're approaching the gate, Daryl shatters a frozen zombie head. So it's still pretty cold. They're all warming up inside by a fire. And Jerry jokes that they should call this place King Top now because it's the new kingdom. 
and it's hilltop, it's king top. Yeah, that's disrespectful, but fine. Uh, it's a Jerry thing to say, though. You know, it, yeah, it's fine. Uh, Daryl goes to Lydia, suggests that she should get some sleep, and he says that they're leaving for Alexandria first thing in the morning. <laughs> so it's like they just showed up, and then they're hitting the road one more time. And uh, maybe Daryl's delivering the mail. Oh God, he seems to get around, so maybe he could be delivering. He's the just mail. going from town to town, up and down the dial, delivering mail. Yeah, no, you're right. He's getting around. Uh, she asks why Daryl left Alexandria originally, and he says he'll tell her one day. Whatever that means. <laughs> That's fine. And then cut away, right? That's what you do. You you, you make a vague uh, statement where I'll tell you later, and then jump cut. Right. You're out of there. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> not to deal with the situation maybe, anymore. Maybe or maybe not. I'll tell you later. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel goes to Carol and tells him that... Uh, and she tells him that she's going back to Alexandria with the others. And of course he's staying at Hilltop and he, he says he understands, but he won't ever stop loving her. And then she says that she'll never regret the fairy tale. And I want to, I want to ask you about this line, Jason, what's her intent? What's her meaning here? Is she saying that their entire relationship has been a fairy tale in that it was never really real anyways? Or, and that's kind of like a bad thing, or is, you know, was it a fairy tale relationship kind of in a good way and she doesn't regret anything that's happened? I think in the good way, uh, she thinks that it's a fairy tale. Like she was swept off her feet. She was, uh, she fell in love. She had a family. It was uh, something she never thought she would have. Uh, and yeah, I think it's in a good way, but she also took off her wedding ring and tried to give it back. And he said, no, basically he used his hand to say, you keep it. So it's kind of both. Okay. She's like, their relationship is at least on pause for a while, but I think she meant fairy tale in the good way. You know, we had some good times, didn't we? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're taking a bit of a break here. That's for yeah. sure. But I just wasn't clear on whether it was like fairy tale in the good way or fairy tale in the bad way. Fairy tale um, in the good way. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to choose to believe that too because I think it's a little nicer, a little happier, and yeah. I always like them as a couple, so I don't want to see them, you know, just go their separate ways here. Uh Well, they kind of do uh for a couple of reasons. Uh they have to go their separate ways, and I I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh you know, in hindsight, obviously, but, uh, it makes a lot of sense because, uh, she's got to go out and she's got to, she's got to be Carol again. The mm -hmm. old Carol that, uh, you know, is, uh, shit kicking and taking names yep. kind of thing. And she's all out of paper for taking names. So, <laughs> uh, she's got to, and she's got to cut her hair and in solidarity, if they were still together, uh, Ezekiel would have to cut his hair and, we don't want that. He can't do that. No. He can't do that. Right. So, uh, cause he's the only one at Hilltop with threats. And you they're know, have some, an integral part of him, right? He can't do yeah. that. So they have to, she has to cut her hair while they're separated. Yeah. Okay. Not only that, absence makes the heart grow fonder as they yeah, say. Yeah, they'll come right? back together. Once, uh, once the whispers are dealt with and Carol gets her Carol on and uh, brings a Carol to a, an alpha fight. Then uh, they'll get back together and they'll, then they'll find a baby somewhere lying around and they'll uh, have a good time. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I get it 
from a storytelling perspective, you have to split these people up so that later they can be reunited. And I'm fine with that. That is, those are good stories sometimes. And I think this one will be a good one too. But at this moment, it's a little bit sad to see them separating. And uh, um, I'm glad that Ezekiel wouldn't take the ring back, right? Yeah. The ring is the thing that is going to, it's the, it's the MacGuffin. You know what I mean? It ha- it's the thing that she has to keep with her. And it, it's the thing that keeps them connected in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Well, we cut over to Alexandria and suddenly they're all arriving here now. <laughs> so, so it was a long trip from Kingdom to Hilltop and then a yada yada to Alexandria. Yeah, yada yada yada. They're fine. They're here now. <laughs> to be fair, it's no longer a snowstorm, but still. I thought There's it was still a snow on the ground. Goofy. There's still snow on the ground because they all walk in. Michonne greets Judith and RJ. And then, um, well, Daryl, Lydia, Aaron have all come with them. They're all there. And they end up having a snowball fight. Yeah. I must admit, I liked the snowball fight, despite it being a little goofy. Uh, you know, it feels a bit. Oh, snowball fights are fun. They're fun. You know, it feels a little bit frivolous in the episode, but it reminded me that adults can still sometimes act like kids despite all of the zombie horror that is happening around them. Yep. And that these are all real people and that they're genuinely happy to see each other. And I think that's what the snowball fight did. So it kind of worked for me, even though I can understand people going snowball fight, just move on, you know? Ah, snowball fights are fun. You have to have a little lighthearted snowball fight when it snows. I agree with that. You know, make a snowman. Throw some snowballs. Hope you don't hit anyone in the face. Well, they couldn't make a snowman. Not with that. The wrong snow. kind of fake snow for that. <laughs> right. You need different fake snow for snowman. <laughs> yeah, you need snowman fake snow. That's right. You have to like. There's like thirty different kinds of snow, and you have only like four of them are conducive to making snowmen. Yeah, and I'm sure, given time, you'd list off all thirty for us. Well, I don't have specific names for them, but <laughs> so it would take even longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a call from Scott in Arkansas. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas with my holy crap moment for season 16, The Storm. Holy crap. Snowball fight. How sweet was that, seeing Daryl having a snowball fight with the kitties after all the dark moments we've had. Oh, also, zombie sickles. (laughs) Zombie sickles. I I don't imagine they get a lot of snow in Arkansas either. Do they? Maybe they do. I I I don't know. know. I doubt it. So, uh, But yeah, snowball fight. Nice. Uh, I thought it was nice. All right, so we go inside and Sadiq is treating Negan's leg because remember he got hit by flying debris. Mm-hmm. Michonne comes and thanks him for saving Judith. He mentions how special Judith is. He's got a real connection with her. Michonne goes to leave, but Negan asks if everybody is okay. And he says he knows what it's like to lose a kingdom. Uh, and he also knows that they had to cut through Whisperer territory, which took a lot of balls. Somebody's been telling him a lot of information. Like he's got some kind of, you know, information train going right into his ear holes about everything that happens everywhere. Yeah. Well, he knows. um, I mean, he knows they traveled. I think he knows that the kingdom fell and I think it's explained. Now, I don't remember the exact dialogue right now, uh, but I think it's I think Michonne says something and then he realizes that to do it, they had. Oh, she says we stopped at the sanctuary. And then he realizes, oh, if they were going from kingdom to sanctuary, sorry, from sanctuary to hilltop, they would have had to go through Whisperer territory. Not necessarily. But like I, they changed, they 
cut the time off in order to do that. Yeah. Um, you're right. Obviously, there are multiple routes, but that seemed to me what tipped him off in this episode. Whether he knew beforehand or not, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they just got here, right? Like they, you know, the, the group of people that went from uh, the kingdom to the hilltop to sanctuary, or not sorry, the kingdom to sanctuary to hilltop to Alexandria, they just friggin' got here. How the hell did Negan find out? Did somebody run up to Negan and tell him all the information before Michonne went upstairs? Good question. Was it Sadiq? Uh, no, it couldn't have been Sadiq. I mean, you'd, you'd have to think it was Judith probably, but why would she even know? Right? She was snowball fighting. Well, there's some time between the snowball fight and Michonne visiting Negan. Let's I don't just know. Say. Michonne still got her coat on. Yeah. And he's sitting there in shorts, in short t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's right. warm inside now for some reason. Uh, yeah. But anyway, he just, he seems to have a lot of information. He does. Maybe he's in charge of the mail system. <laughs> he gets all the letters and reads them before he distributes them around. Yeah. I could see him doing that. The Negan Master General. Postmaster well, Negan? Post something, something like that. I like that. Postmaster Negan. PMN. Yeah. Uh, you're right. He seems to know a lot of things. Um, I thought they implied in the conversation that he sort of figured things out a little bit. But regardless, every conversation he has on this show, he he's very uh, aware of information. So, yeah, he just seems to know stuff. You sure know? does. Maybe he can read minds. Uh, anyways, Michonne pulls up a chair and explains that they came together as a group of people who care about each other to make it through. She says, facing evil brings people together. And then Negan says, yeah, but nobody ever thinks that they're the evil ones. Yeah. And in my mind, I thought, thank you. There you go, Negan. He just summed up the whole show for us in a way. Yeah. Nobody thinks they're the bad guy. Right. This show has different themes. One of them, one of the big ones is no one ever thinks that they're the evil one. No one ever thinks they're the bad guy. So he just said it out loud here, which was great. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm trying to think of anybody, maybe the, uh, what were the guys with the W's carved in their heads? The wolves. The wolves. Did they know they were the bad guys? Pretty sure they knew they were the bad guys. Yeah, maybe you're right. They felt like, felt like they did know they were the bad guys. Yeah. They were sort of anyway. chaotic bad guys, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you know, if you're, I don't know, but yeah, anybody who's reasonable is trying to be reasonable in their uh, goals. Probably don't think that they're the bad guy. You know, Negan probably maybe thought he was actually helping people. He did. By we know, we being know. Uh, an overlord. You just, I don't know. We know you that for know sure. that you're being a bad guy at that point, right? I'm suppressing all of these communities, forcing them to pay tribute to me. Uh, and if they don't do what I tell them to do, I'm going to take all their friggin' mattresses and burn them. No way, man. He, 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 he was saving people, right? He went into detail about that. He thought he was saving everyone. He was giving people a chance to live. Uh, Negan never has once thought he was the bad guy. I think you're right about the wolves. Maybe they didn't even think about it, but, uh, if they did, they probably were like, you know what? We're not great, <laughs> but even Terminus people, they thought they were doing the right thing. The claimers, remember those guys? Yep. They claim shit. They thought they were doing the right thing. Although they're a little closer to the wolves, in my opinion. The governor thought he was doing the right thing. Everybody does. Um, I don't even want to get into Alpha. She is just totally out there, but no one ever thinks they're the bad guy. Uh, so. I have a hard time believing that. 
Yeah. You know, I've never been the bad guy. But then again, if nobody knows, thinks that they're the bad guy, maybe I am the bad guy. Maybe. maybe I should question it. Maybe that's the difference between good guys and bad guys is that the good guys question whether or not they're the bad guy. See, it's very complicated. Jesus. Does that make you me a good guy or an actual bad guy? I don't know. Everyone let us know. Is Jason the bad guy? <laughs> Am I the bad guy in this podcast? <laughs> I'm probably the bad guy. Eh, I don't know. I seem to spoil a lot of movies. That's bad. TV shows. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we, we cut to the whisperers now for the first time in this episode and they are in a forest with no snow nope. somewhere that looks a lot warmer. Beta comes up and removes Alpha's mask and says that the time away has been good for them. And Alpha says, you know, we've made mistakes and she'll need to be stronger for what comes next. Who knows what she's referring to there. Then she hands Beta a branch and he starts whipping her arm with it, causing cuts in her arm. Ouchie. So the Whisperers seem to have moved away somewhere south in the warm you know, where it's warmer for the winter. So they were never there during the snowstorm and Michonne and everybody had nothing to worry about, although they didn't know it at the time. So, okay. So if I, if I read me this correctly, and I think I am. So this season has been about, uh, the first half of the season was, uh, or the second part of the first half of the season was about, uh, zombies evolving, becoming smarter. And then we learn that they're actual human beings. And then the whole second half of this season has been about the alpha showing up and causing shit and killing people and putting their heads on pikes and just being an evil dastardly person. And then this beta person, uh, has a one-on-one with Daryl and Daryl almost kills him. And there's this, this new kind of threat that we haven't seen before. And in the season finale, they go on vacation? Yes. The Whisperers go on vacation because they Are don't like winter. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not. But I hear what you're saying. I hear <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, yeah. They just they just hit the road. The calm before dot, 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 the storm. And the storm is winter? Literally and, a storm and, and not really anything else. And it has nothing to do with the threat that has been... Uh, imminent this entire time except that it's it is it has planted the seeds of of fear into these people right they didn't want to cross into whisperer land because they were afraid to do so they decided to anyways but it was a big decision for them now the whisperers weren't there so i think it's important in that way but you're right there was no actual threat they just didn't know it at the time i'm i'm disappointed well, let's just, we're almost at the end here. Let's, let's okay. finish the episode and then sort of talk about your disappointment on the whole. Um, uh, really quick, Shenandoah in West Virginia writes, holy crap, Beta is wearing a have a nice day t-shirt with a yellow smiley face on it. <laughs> oh, is she? I didn't notice that. I think it's, I think it's under his. Oh yeah. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Kind of, kind of thing Beta would wear. Um, finally, in the final scene of the episode, we have Ezekiel speaking into the radio turns out he's talking to judith uh, so they got the relay working so the whole point of this entire season was uh, to get this relay working so that they could have communication between their communities and they've accomplished that they have accomplished that that's absolutely right All so right, he's that was the point of the season that's right he's talking to judith who is at alexandria he is still at hilltop of course and he's talking about coming back from this setback and just you know how they're all going to be okay and so on uh they finish their conversation he gets up and leaves and uh, I guess leaves the radio on and suddenly 
the radio comes to life and a mystery voice comes out of it that says, hello, hello, calling out live to the open air. Is anybody there? Now I had to get that from the closed captioning because it wasn't yeah. clear in the audio exactly what it was. Um, and we cut to black season and episode over. Uh, mystery voice on the radio, Jason. Um, that sounded like Maggie to me. Well, it, it, I thought it was really hard to tell. Many people are assuming it's Maggie, but there's no indication yet as to who actually it is. For now, it's a mystery voice. Yeah, sounded like Maggie. Pretty sure it's Maggie. I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure it's Maggie too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but technically, we don't know that yet. And uh, we're supposed to be wondering about it. And we're going to have to wonder about it until... Well, I was going to say until season 10 gets underway, but the way AMC does things lately until they reveal who it is, probably in the trailer or something like that for season 10 this right. summer. But that's just me being a, a dick. Um, for now, season is over and we have this question of who's on the radio. Uh, we have sort of the question of, you know, the whispers are gone for now, but we assume they're coming back. We know that the, the uh, kingdom has fallen and that we are now stuck with um, everybody at Hilltop, Alexandria, um, and I guess Oceanside too. So, yeah, and Oceanside never really came up. No, Oceanside didn't come up at all. Um, and that's it. Uh, let me run through a few more holy craps here. Cindy in Columbus, Ohio agrees. She said, Holy crap, did you hear that? That was Maggie. Uh, Adam in Texas writes, I love when a TV show ends a story arc or has a dramatic, dr dramatic climax, but still gives you an episode after. Granted, we're nowhere near uh, at the end of the Whisperer story, but we certainly got the big reveal of Headboarder last time. And I liked having a more sedate episode as a finale. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, to be quite honest. As a finale, with you. no. As an episode before the finale, sure. You mean this one before the finale? Yeah. If they, well, no, if this episode was, you know, the one before next week's finale, it would have been fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you might be right about that. Um, uh, Anna in Wales writes, holy crap. Did you s just see that episode where most of the joy, warmth and levity came from Negan? What is going, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Um, Chelsea in Michigan writes, holy crap. Did you see that winter storm? Did the writers forget we're in Virginia? I even checked Google while watching the show and Virginia's average snowfall annually is 12 inches per year. My husband grew up in Michigan where the average snowfall can exceed 250 inches per year. And yet he never had to travel outside with his family connected to one another by a rope. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the Sioux. We're probably talking about the upper peninsula in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of snow up there. 250 inches though. That oh, sound, yeah. sounds oh, yeah. like a lot. No, there is, uh, there's, there's times in the Sioux, uh, now where, uh, you have to shovel the driveway like pretty much constantly. By the time you're done the second half of the driveway, the first half of the driveway has another four or five inches on it. Jeez. Uh, and they have to come around a few times a year with big machines to take away the snowbanks that are, uh, a little, you know, nine and 10 feet tall. Right. Grind them up and grind them up, take them away somewhere else so that you have somewhere to put the snow. And yeah. all the streets are like, all the buildings are spread out compared to Toronto. Everything is, the reason everything is spread out is because you need someplace to put the snow. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, because in Toronto, when you get that much snow, which 
Toronto has had that much snow uh, in a short time period. Uh, there's nowhere to put it. Like that, that's it. Like you can't shovel the driveway. You can't shovel the, the, the streets. You can't plow the streets because there's nowhere to put the snow. Yeah. You can't just, you can only push it to the side so much, right? Yeah. I'm not sure that the Sioux gets that much snow, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I'm not surprised that the, uh, you know, places in the upper peninsula get that much snow. Sure. Okay. Well, still didn't have to lead everyone around by rope, but you know, if these people aren't used to snow, let's make sure everyone's safe. Let's go with that. Yeah. Well, I also assume that the zombie apocalypse is causing some kind of climate change. <laughs> right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> must be something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I assume. I assume so. Yeah. Because, you know, all the people that normally control the weather are dead now. Uh, of and course. so there's nobody there to control the weather. Finally, the planet's just doing it itself. Yeah. And right. that just means, you know, random snowstorm where the snow looks like you've painted all the grass. Yeah, of course. Well, and- Sorry, in, I brought it up again. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, bad you. Uh, Anne in Oklahoma writes, holy crap, did you see all those people in a blizzard with unzipped jackets? <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> Lydia didn't do up her jacket. No. I know. It's supposed that shit to be- drives me crazy. My personal belief is the same as the uh, Canadian military. I'm not if it's. I'm not sure if it's the U.S. military has the same philosophy, but in the Canadian military, it's do it up or take it off, and it's that simple. If uh, if you have something undone, it's hot enough to take it off. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess you got to have rules. <laughs> yeah, and so I personally live by that. If I'm wearing something that can be done up, it's done up. Sure. That's. Yeah, Solid rule, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you everyone for writing those. Holy crap. So this, this episode, Jason, um, you know, I don't know if I liked it that much. Like, no, it sucked, Chris. Uh, can, it didn't it did. suck. There, there it were, did. No, there were things about it that were fine. Like this was. The main bad guys went on vacation for the episode. Like that is grade A bullshit. Remember last week I was saying that I thought this episode would good portion of it would be kind of rolling things into season 10 a little bit. Yeah. And I think- But also wrap up what happened in season nine. Yeah. And I will admit, I don't think they did either of those things very well, but they did try to. And and what I mean by that is, um, no, they didn't really wrap up season nine very well, but they did kind of move everyone around and kind of position them for season 10. We had to say goodbye to the kingdom. So I don't think kingdom is going to be a part- of it next could, season. The episode absolutely could have been about that. Of right? the kingdom falling apart? The kingdom falling apart. Yeah. Show us the fires. You know, yeah. show us the bursting of the pipes and everything falling apart and Carol being upset and uh, Ezekiel being upset and his kingdom falling apart around him and then having to leave. And that leaving is the end of the episode. Yeah. You know? That yeah, would have been, uh, that's the episode I wanted to see. I know. Instead, we got like a sort of a road trip through a snowstorm uh, episode, uh-huh. which is okay. I, I, I didn't mind that, but it felt a little bit unnecessary. I, you know, I think it's sort of what you're saying. Um, you if know, you replaced the snow with an erupting volcano, I would have been interested. <laughs> Instead of uh, frozen water, you know, lava flows. Yeah. And then across lava flows. Why is there a active volcano in, in, uh, Virginia, but whatever. Um, yeah. it didn't feel very season finale ish. Uh, but it, it felt more like an epilogue to the season. Almost. It felt like to me, the season ended last week and this was kind of just the transition or, or just sort of the, the 
come down from the climax. You know what I mean? But that's not what a season finale is for. No, I know. I hear you. It's for... (sighs) The problem I have primarily is that uh, the main bad guys, we had build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, build up. They literally went on vacation. Yeah. Like they didn't, they just, they, they didn't just explain it as we weren't there. We didn't notice. We did notice. And now we're going to get them. Right. You know, you know, that could have been part of it as well, mm-hmm. but they just, you know, they don't winter in this part of the country because it's too friggin' cold. This is <laughs> yeah. the problem I was having last week was how the, how can they possibly survive the winter, uh, the, using their lifestyle. It's because they leave. Obviously, they leave. They're nomadic. They're like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So why do they have such, they go to such great lengths in order to draw this border and to make sure that the people on the other side of that border pay attention to it by kidnapping their people, putting their heads on pikes, causing all kinds of shit, and then they just leave to go on vacation. Yeah. And- I do think there is something to um, doing all that to instill fear in your enemy, but I get what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense to have, have our characters go through all of this with no consequences as it pertains to the enemy. The, 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 um, the whispers, like you said, they don't know that they crossed into their territory. What are they going to come back and see their footprints? No, that's not going to happen. So, they did all this and yes, it shows us something about our characters and that they were afraid to, and they don't really know how to handle this situation, but it doesn't sound like there's going to be any repercussions from it. So what was the point? Yeah, it really, what was the point? I mean, we saw them walk through a snowstorm, both, both of these groups, we saw them walk through a snowstorm. Uh, one group decided to abandon and I assume kill their horses. The other group, uh, decided to use a rope for some reason to walk from one house to another in their own community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think a season finale is the right place for a couple of groups to walk through a snowstorm. Right. No, I hear you. I, I totally agree with that. Um, what I did think was better or important in this episode was that it was kind of a Carol episode, right? Yes. There was all this other stuff happening or yep. at least all these other um, road trips going on. But this was about Carol, her relationship with not only Ezekiel, but with Daryl a little bit and with Lydia, you know, um, she was the one who went and saved Lydia. Um, so we got some Carol in this episode and they did some character work with her. And I, I did think all that was, was pretty well done. Uh, Melissa, Melissa McBride is great as usual. Um, and, and so I don't think it was a complete waste of time because we got the Carol stuff. Yeah. We could have got that, uh, entire thing during the fall of the kingdom. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. If we saw the kingdom crumbling rather than them on the road, they could I have think done this it. This whole episode, way. the entire point of the episode was to show snow. We've never seen snow in the walking dead before. Yeah. We need to show snow and have frozen zombies and zombies come up from under the snow and for them to be worried about getting lost in the snow. And that was the entire point was to show this new thing. Yeah. Instead of swamp zombies, we had snow zombies yeah. and frozen zombies. And uh, that's the biggest crime of it all is that they, I think they did an episode strictly 
to to do something new with the weather, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like people have wondered about winter for a long time on the show. I mean, viewers have wondered about it and they've never done it because it just hasn't been a thing. It's been difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they finally took the leap and they decided to do it here in the season finale, thinking that snow and a big winter storm would be enough to carry a whole episode. Um, uh, but it wasn't. And, that's unfortunate because, you know, season nine was overall amazing, but a little bit of a letdown at the end here. I wonder if the writers have ever seen snow before and know how it works. Well, like, do some research and figure out, you know, what it's like to live in the winter in the North. And then like, you know, there's probably documentaries you could watch. You could, <laughs> you know, uh, if you know, you're going to have to write this episode, you know, take a week and go to someplace with snow for well, a little while. See what that's like, you know, maybe stick around long enough to witness it snowing. I don't know. I, I'm not as worried or I'm not as concerned as you are about, you know, the way the snow worked or how it looked like, or how people even reacted to it. It's just that. It was like a complete surprise to everybody. Well, I know, I know, but I just think snow isn't really enough of, um, a hardship right or it shouldn't be this much of a hardship for these people to make to add this much drama to the episode not so, after 6 years not after right. like a time jump of that length of time in this winter condition uh you know uh Eugene even had a you know uh a a winter one storm ice storm there wasn't an ice storm ice storms are a whole other thing which I know. are a pain in the ass that's the thing it wasn't even an ice storm but you know no anyway ice storms are freaking crazy they are crazy i mean, we've had a few around here yeah it just, it like ice falls from the sky and freezes everything. Yeah. It's cool in one way, but you know, trees, trees collapse on everything in another way. Yeah. And bad. the power goes out for a week and a half in some places. Also bad. A week and a half. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. Snow by itself should not have been a, as big a deal. Basically, if they want to set it in winter, that's great, but you have to have drama from other things than just the fact that we have to travel somewhere in snow. Yeah. And take a shortcut. And take a shortcut. Yeah. Through the territory of a group of people that went on vacation. Right. So. I'm not going to get over this. I'm not getting over this. All this right. is bad. It's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I, I do still think season nine, I mean, 90% of it was really great and they just didn't quite stick the landing. Sadly. Oh, they, yeah. Sadly. Uh, but, and, and this, the last episode in this episode, switch them, yeah, switch them and end with the heads on the pikes. Oh my God. It's kind of a, not a terrible idea actually. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, that's, there was a shining light in this episode. What was it? Judith. Julie Fleming. She did a masterful job of every word that came out of her mouth. Oh, good. Well, you know, I, I, had, I really enjoyed her acting in this, in this episode. I hadn't really noticed, but I agree with that. I think she's been pretty good as Judith all season and it was good. Yeah. What about her relationship with Negan? What do you think about him? Like, you know, them, there be, there, there's a real father daughter relationship starting to happen here. And, uh, that's gotta be important moving into season 10. It is. Okay. So let's break it down a little bit. I'm glad you asked this question. Uh, there's this guy who had a baseball bat with, with barbed wire around it that brutally murdered uh, a couple of close friends of ours. Yes. 
And uh, he also is uh, running an, an organization that is extorting and terrorizing the entire region. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had to go to war against the, against this guy and his uh, his people. And we fired a lot of bullets. There was a hell of a lot of bullets that were fired in this war. Uh, and a lot of people died. And we finally captured him and put him in a cell where he's going to spend the rest of his life. Yes. You you should not let this person have access to your children for conversations, for, uh, uh, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> you probably should keep these people separated from your impressionable kids. I mean, is he- You should re- not allow them to have personal relationships where they have a father-daughter kind of thing, even though they may both enjoy the relationship. It's still creepy and wrong. Is he rehabilitated a little bit? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's an adult having a relationship with, how old is she? Nine in the show? How old is her character age? Uh, Six years. I think she's 12 now, right? She's 12? Oh, wait a minute. I don't remember. Anyway, she's young. A grown man should not have a personal relationship with a 12-year-old girl. Ah, I mean, depends what you I mean, I have, you know, how how am I supposed to handle myself with my neighbor's daughter who's twelve? You shouldn't have conversations with her by without uh, parental consent, at least. Like you shouldn't be sneak having her sneak into uh, okay. where you are to have personal long conversations about uh, topics that are expressly uh, not allowed by her parents. Okay, fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, when when she comes over to play with my kid and we talk, that's okay. Yes, that's okay. All right. You know, <laughs> you're, you're having, <laughs> that's fine. All right. Uh, just don't invite her over after your kids have gone to bed and uh, have her come into your basement and have uh, personal conversations about uh, people you've murdered in the past. All right, fair. I won't do that anymore. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, generally don't do that. Good. That's called grooming, and that's against the law. All right. Now, first of all. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, they that relationship needs to be monitored a little more closely. Got it. Um, okay. Well, for now, though, Judith and Negan have a thing going. They sure do, and that's a problem. That's I think the thing I have the biggest problem with. Right. Now it's also out in the open, so or more than it was before anyways, so we'll we'll see how um Michonne reacts to it in the future. Oh, uh, sorry. I forgot to mention that uh, this guy in question that we've imprisoned has uh previously had slave wives. <laughs> yeah, there's also that. <laughs> so, done some bad his stuff. morality is not the best. No, probably not the best. But he's funny sometimes. <laughs> Oh, he's charming. He's charming. That's for sure. I guess. Depends. Uh, all right. Well, anyways, um, yeah, the Judith-Negan relationship is a thing that you've put in a very creepy context for me now, <laughs> and I don't. Lo- I no longer feel good about it, not that I really did before. Um, but I do think it's going to be important in season 10. They're, yeah. they're going to keep, you know, developing it a little bit, and uh, I think it's going to play into the season probably in, important, in an important way. Yeah. And looking back on this episode, everybody's hanging onto a rope, walking through town and uh, Judith runs off and then Negan runs off. Did anybody go after them? Nope. 
Nobody went after them. Father Gabe was there. Rosita was there. Somebody should have gone after them. Eugene was there. I I do think you hear Rosita yell, hang on to the rope, like, don't let go. So everyone just And then they went to to get warm. Yeah. And then they they continued on inside. That'd be fine. Sure. Negan knows what he's doing. He's got this. (laughs) Stark, it's a storm. (laughs) He's a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's an escape prisoner at this point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Fine. Well, okay. This episode had some some problems, I'm sad to say. Um, but you know, for the third or fourth time, I'm gonna reiterate that I still thought season nine was the best the show has been in a few years. So overall. Okay. All right. Well, um that is going to wrap up our recap of the season finale for season nine. We've got all kinds of your feedback to talk about later on this week. So, uh, by, you know, get that into us. Um, I'm again, looking forward to seeing what everyone thought about this episode. If you agree or disagree with our kind of, uh, um, bummer take on, on the whole thing, I'm curious to find out. Uh, and we'll be doing that on Thursday. So send us your feedback. You can go to our, our uh, website at talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top and send us a message. You can also just record one straight into your phone. If you have a phone that can do that and then email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at talking dead or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And, uh, I think those are the best ways to, to get in touch. Smoke signals don't work so well, but you can try, you know? Yeah, we, yeah, we wouldn't see them. I wouldn't see them. No, probably I, I not. work in a basement. I don't see smoke signals. <laughs> Jason never leaves his basement. <laughs> well, I do leave the basement, but I don't look for smoke signals. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone. We will be back on Thursday for the feedback show. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.